yourself that the stories that you're picking are the most representative of the yeah. phenomena that you're trying to describe because uh, you could probably find a story to fit any theory that you want, yeah. one yeah. story. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can't, I mean, that, so the, there's a whole set of trade-offs here. Um, storytelling, by definition, has one great disadvantage, which is you are representing a single narrative, a single experience. Um, on the other side of the equation, the story has a massive, storytelling has a massive advantage, which is there is no better way to communicate and move people than through the story. Um, so you're, what, you're look, what I've always tried to do is, the reason I try to balance storytelling and kind of social science research is that I'm trying to find some kind of middle ground. I'm trying to find an observation that is being made in the literature or by academics and to illustrate it by means of a story. So it's, it's rare that the story comes first. It's not that I hear something cool and then hunt for data to fit that. It's the other way around. I look for an idea that's been expressed in academia, and I say, well, how will I, uh, how can I make that story uh, resonant? Um, uh, I make that sort of observation resonant. So you, you, you hunt for stories that match this kind of um, uh, idea that you feel has some um, firepower behind it. Um, so there's, but you know, that said, it's a necessarily imperfect process. All my books are massively imperfect. I don't imagine that anyone will ever agree with 100% of the things in my book. I don't even want them to agree with 100% of the things in the book. It, 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 that, that's not what you, what, you, you're not looking for converts, right? You're, you want people to start conversations and um, uh, people, writers who are looking for converts are scary. Um, I think you should, what you're looking for is you, wanna, you want people to engage with the ideas and say, you know, I, I did a, a piece for The New Yorker a couple weeks ago about uh, doping in sports. And I happen to be, I'm a big runner, I happen to be I'm a huge fan of track and field. If my favorite runners were found to be using some sort of PEDs, I would be devastated. Nonetheless, my piece is all about, look at it from Lance Armstrong's point of view, right? Or look at it from Alex Rodriguez's point of view. I simply pointed out that the arguments that we use to justify our prohibition on performance-enhancing drugs are really lame. They're insanely lame. And you can't run around you know, condemning people and suing them and putting them in jail, whatever we do, on the basis of insanely lame arguments. So lame argument number one, for example, the one that I cannot get over is, in baseball, you are allowed, if you're a pitcher, to replace your ulnar uh, collateral ligament in your elbow, which is the principal ligament you use when you throw a baseball, to take it out and replace it from, with a tendon 
taken from another part of your body or from a cadaver, if you so choose, this tendon will, be, will have performance characteristics that are infinitely superior to the ligament that nature gave you. You can swap it out, bring in the bionic ligament, extend your career, be able to throw the ball harder, and what do we do? We think that's fantastic. We embrace 75% of pitchers in the major league have had this procedure done, right? No one bats an eyelash. The guy who pioneered the procedure is considered to be a hero, blah, blah, blah. Alex Rodriguez is a baseball player who decides to take uh, it, uh, uh, testosterone, a naturally, nat he's not taking something from a cadaver, He's taking a naturally occurring hormone approved by the FDA and available through prescription to everyone in this room. And he's decided to take it. And what happens? He's considered to be a massive villain. Lance Armstrong takes his own blood, his own blood, and re-injects himself with his own blood. And he's considered a villain. So wait a minute. On the one hand, people are importing Cadav uh, tendons taken from cadavers, right? Which profoundly alter the performance characteristic of the arm they use to pitch. And that's fine. But you can't take your own blood and re-inject yourself with it. And if you do that, you're a cheater. Explain to me why that's, you know, I am perfectly willing to go after Lance Armstrong once someone explains, once someone makes sense of that contradiction. So, there is a case where, do I expect to convince all of you of this argument? No. But if I force, by writing stuff like that, force people to just sit down and actually come up with better arguments for why we hate performance-enhancing drugs, then I will have succeeded, I think. Uh, I guess uh, that gives us a new benefits idea for Google, bionic <laughs> ligaments for, for our software engineers so they can code faster. <laughs> um, <coughs> uh, you, you talk about how lots of studies in academia never find it to the outside world. Mm -hmm. What can we as society do to improve the chances of that, right? Because there is so much knowledge, and it seems like it would be useful in everyday yeah. life. Um, it's a really interesting question. Um, the, in general, uh, I think we have to understand that the... And they feel like they don't have time for that. So yeah. how, did, how did that happen? Well... She was always there. That's the first thing, right? Oh, so y'all been together yeah, for a minute. Yeah, 20 plus, we've been rocking. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she's always been there. Right. But you got to remember, too, I'm not physically going anywhere to do anything. I'm, I'm sitting here at the kitchen table on the computer, right? And I'm giving myself two, three hours to knock some stuff out, and then I got the rest of the day to do whatever. I've always kept that sense of I don't want to just be 24-7 hustling, mm. right? I've always kept that mentality. I'm a, I'm a hustle, but when I'm hustling, I'm giving it 2,000%. But when I cut it off, now I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm Jay White, first name love. I'm, I'm out here. You so, really work three, four hours a day? Might be like five. 
What does a normal day look like for you in terms of business, in terms of work? Uh, reviewing invoices, reviewing proposals. But now I'm on the I'm on the teaching side, so now I'm just following up with some of my students. They might have some issues or mm. some questions or whatever the case may be. Looking towards the next thing, I got real estate deals too. So, right. uh, I, like I said, I just like to knock out everything within three to four hours, five tops. After that, man, I got to chill. Mm. That is a lifestyle right there. Well, bro. why work hard if throughout the day you're gonna work all day? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we we make good money and we do certain things in the beginning. So on the back half, now we can kind of autopilot and coast it. I'm still, mm. I ain't nobody still trying to work eight hours a day, nine hours yeah. a day. I might well get a job for real. In the beginning, it probably you probably spent more time, right? Because I was learning. Yeah. You didn't I don't, know. I don't got it down yeah. pat. Like, like you said, I don't know. I think I should be looking at this this long. I yeah. think I should wake up early and not go to sleep. Like, I'm right, thinking right. this is how I need to operate, right? But once I got to a certain point, I'm like, man, I'm going to bed, man. Like, I'm right. good. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, for me, it took marriage for that because uh, it, when it just left to my own devices, I'm going to work all day, every mm. day because... One, it's what I'm so accustomed to doing. Okay. Like, you spend years just grinding and working. Like, when you're not working, something's wrong. That's how I feel. But it took me getting married to say, okay, I need to try to wrap up by 5 o'clock, get home by 6. Mm. And what I realized is when I had less time to be productive, I was more productive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Instead mm-hmm. of like, because some people, they're going to quit their job and they're like, yo, I'm going to grind all day. Yeah. But if you got, if you can build something in those windows of time. And, con- and concentrated. Concentrate. And then you super, super heavy because everything you're doing in that time is intentional. You're not wasting a second because you got a hard stop or a cutoff time, right? So your three hours, your four hours, or your five to six o'clock, you're going to go hard. Because you know you got a stopping point. Yeah. Every, every second count. Are you still actively, like, getting contracts? Going for contracts? Yeah, man. We won uh, two this month. So, so so far already, I won six this year. Really? Yeah. But they were soul source. I didn't have to bid. They called me. They said, hey, mm. can you purchase this product for us? When did, like, they start, when did they start? When did they start calling you? Hmm. Probably like 2017. That was real pivotal. Gotcha. Around 2017, yeah. Oh, so then you didn't really have to apply for no contracts. Right. Just- I don't got to bid no more. Now if I bid, it's just to, you know, stay current. So when I'm teaching people, I, I got the, real-time estimation. The, yeah. I like the fact that you're still actively in the game. Because yeah. most people, they'll, they're not in the game anymore. Right. They're just teaching. But From the fact big- that... They're talking from yesteryear. Exactly. And that information ain't always up to date or valid. Because changes. Yeah, right? and it can't help me out today. So I, I speak a lot to the people that, you know, they got all these side hustles. They got all this stuff on the table, but they just like, you know what? I'm going to give this federal government contracting a try. Mm-hmm. And once they tap in, they're like, all right, I'm going to just do this now. Right, right, you know? right. So it's a good feeling, man. So the, the, you said six contracts this year. Yeah. Uh, or in two this month. Yeah. Tell me about the month. two. Because you said they were talking about ordering a product. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they wanted to order 150 iPads. It was something real light. That's all I understand. Why do <laughs> they call Apple? They lazy. That's what I be trying to tell people. The federal government lazy. They can do all this stuff themselves. However, they're mandated. That's this. I call them lazy, but they're mandated to give small businesses, minorities, women-owned, service-disabled veterans, they're mandated to give us a certain percentage of contracts are you, a year. Are you minority certified? A minority. A woman-owned, right? Is your wife 51%? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what was you about to say, bro? What was you about to say something? Documentation got to read well, right? Documentation has to read well. So, 51% woman-owned, small business, minority, veteran-owned. I was in the Coast Guard for uh, 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. Do you have, did you do that certification yourself? Because, bro, I've... It's terrible, ain't it? Terrible. It's terrible. Yes, I did it myself. But I'm good on the phone. I'm telling you. Like, I'm, I need somebody I'm a, to just do it for me, bro. I'm amazing on the phone. So I had a lady on the phone the whole time I was filling the thing out. The whole time. Because I was like, oh, I can't I can't do this. I'm frustrated. I'm, I can't figure it out. I'm like going in on her. She's like, calm down. I'm going to help you. I said, are you going to help me for the duration? Like, right, I right, need right. you. <laughs> and she helped me. She helped me out. Do you, do you give resources, like, in, like for your students on how to get that certification? Yeah, you. I have to, man, because, all right, here's the first thing. I teach my students certifications don't win you contracts. Mm. I mean, that's just a fact. They don't win you contracts. However, comma, they do help you get into a smaller room to bid against less competition. Mm -hmm. The country we're in completely locked down. I mean, like we, like my children did not leave the apartment for two full months. It was what? like, yeah, like you had to apply for a permit to go to the grocery store. Like it was crazy locked down. Which country? Uh, we were in the UAE. Okay. Yeah. So, um, it was really, really strict. And, um, Dubai. we, yeah, we were in Abu Dhabi. Okay. Oh, and funny enough, because it's Emirates, right? It's the United Arab Emirates. Each Emirate had its own rules. Oh my God. So you couldn't even travel. Like we were trying to get plane tickets out and you couldn't even travel from, Abu Dhabi to Dubai like their borders were closed it'd be like the border from here to Georgia being closed right That's um, insane. yeah it was insane and we felt almost stuck mm. <laughs> it was a very unnerving feeling trying to get they only had repatriation flights they only flew like once a month or something you had to get on a flight and then they flew you to America like you didn't get to pick where, so we ended up landing in Chicago. Really? Yeah, no. Oh, my God. And we were just like, what's the flight to America? And they are like, well, it's to Chicago. And we're like, okay, I'll take it. Like, whatever to get, get yeah, out of here. right. Um, so when we got to Florida, it was amazing because um, everything was so open. I mean, there were still the mask mandates and mm. um, everything, but we were like, we can go outside. Mm. Like, how exciting is this? Um yeah, it felt really good. So we had already been planning to go to move on overseas. We wanted to go to New Zealand. 
um, mm. our application is still in the system, <laughs> and then and they completely closed. Um, and then we tried Armenia, and they closed. So now we're just kind of waiting. Um, you know, we love it here. The kids are really happy here. Um, so I think we'll stay here, you know, maybe a year or two longer and then kind of see how the world shakes out and see mm-hmm. how the pandemic shakes out. Um, because it's, it's endemic now, right? Like, it's not like it's going away. Like we will live with coronavirus. We will get our booster shots. Um, so the world has to open. Um, so we're just kind of waiting to see. You do you know. think the do you think it'll end up just being like something just like the flu that everyone's used to? It's like, oh yeah, we have the flu, we have the coronavirus. Yeah. I think eventually shots for stuff and Yeah, I think eventually there'll be like enough exposure, mm-hmm. enough vaccines that it's gonna level out and it'll be a virus just like mm-hmm. other viruses. I mean, you know, when we so Andy had coronavirus in February and um when he got sick, he, he was, he had a fever for like five days and he was down and out and we just had him quarantined in the bedroom. Um, but when we lived in Asia within the first six weeks of him moving to Asia, he got dengue fever. No. Yeah. And I had actually just, um, I had been on like weekend duty where I had taken a call from a, a lady who was coming to get her son's body who had just died from dengue fever. So when he came oh. and he got dengue fever, I was like, you have got to be joking. And both my parents, because um, they lived in Venezuela for so long, have had dengue fever. So I call my parents and they're like, hey, I'll be fine. Like, it really so- sucks. But, you know, he'll he'll make it. And there's nothing you can do for it except let it ride. Like, you mm. take Tylenol and just drink water, and that's it. But so the whole time he had COVID, I was like, how does this compare to dengue? Because with dengue, I was really, really worried. Like, I was constantly Do you know what the death rate him. is for dengue? I don't know. It's pretty high, though, I think. I'm, um, like... Aiden, that's your cue. <laughs> um... And what's interesting, so so when he got COVID, I kept asking him to compare it because I was terrified with dengue. And the COVID, the whole time, for him at least, he was like, he was like, I don't feel good, but it's not, it's not as bad as dengue. Dengue, mm-hmm. he like, he was just in bed. I mean, it was really unnerving to watch him. Um, but, you know, having lived overseas and having seen, you know, like malaria and dengue and you know known people who have had tb and i'm like you know there are lots of things out there like coronavirus is new like this coronavirus is new covid is new but there are lots of other terrible things out there too so eventually this will just kind of like people will stop panicking about it this will just be fold right into one of those other things that are also horrible to get it's just so weird because it's the first disease that's been hyper politicized yes which is insane which is unfortunate because i just read something where it said like like a record high 16 percent of americans 
don't trust the vaccine or something like that because yeah. of the politics. Well, you know, and I, so it's, it's interesting because when I worked in covert influence, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of thought put into messaging, right? So when the, all the, the epidemic was going or when the pandemic was going on or is going on, like what bothered me the most was the messaging. Like there, like every country had different messaging and then some of the messaging was terrifying and some of it was not at all help like was like ignoring the fact that anything was going on at all and I'm like where is the messaging that like science is working on it you know we don't have definitive answers we think this is happening you know there's there just wasn't a lot of you know, it's, it's hard when like statements are put out there, like you must wear a mask and you must be six feet apart. Mm. And this is what's going to save you when that's not actually scientific. Why is this person a millionaire? Why is this person a billionaire? Why is this person driving this? Why is this person living like this? That means something that they know that you don't know. So if you become a student of success, student of billions, student of millions, that's how it's going to open a door for you. You can't be too negative. You can't be, you know what I'm saying? You got to have confidence in yourself about everything that you do. So me to you, I'm just saying, be a student, man, to success. Feel me? So I want to let y'all know a lot of people be DMing you about this, about that. You know what I'm saying? If you're trying to really get into details about stuff and you need help on anything, just subscribe to my OnlyFans. You know what I'm saying? There's there's going to be something on there you you want to know or you need to know that can help you because I just feel like I'm giving y'all secrets to all types of credit ways, primaries, this, that, you know what I'm saying? And I just feel like people just need to know about it, you feel me? So if you want to know, you know what I'm saying, stuff about life and how to get successful and stuff like that, subscribe to my OnlyFans, man, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be in the bio, man. It's going to be... Also, go to my Instagram, bandman underscore kevo, my Twitter, bandman kevo, you feel me? Make sure y'all subscribe to my OnlyFans. Turn it up. But you need help to give birth to it, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's why people get coaches. I've got a mentor in every single company we own. I have a mentor. Mm -hmm. And that's where people go wrong. I have so much purpose. In, bro, I just met with CJ yesterday for two hours. I said at his feet, I'm older than CJ, bro. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I said at his feet because I'm like, yo, bro, give me the game. Like, help me understand. I want to learn from you. I pay Alex Burton 10 grand for his dispatching. I mean, his trucking course. Mm -hmm. You feel me? So I... People need to invest in themselves wherever they are. If you're trying to have the best marriage, then get some marriage books. Get some marriage coaches. You know what I'm saying? Like, Marriage Inc. At Marriage Inc. That's my, me and Tracy's marriage coaches. Like, I would be divorced. I would not have a wife today if it wasn't for them. Like, if you want to win in finances, then you got to get with somebody in that financial space. Like, you got to be willing to get with a midwife or, 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 or uh, what do you call it? The OBGYN. Somebody to help you give birth to whatever that thing is. So for the people that feel stuck... You got to get with someone that can unstuck you. You know what I'm saying? And that's the problem. 
a lot of people feel like they want to do it on their own or they prideful or they don't want to don't want to make the investment and they wonder why nothing changed. Well, you got to make a decision, right? And I believe everybody's everybody can go to that next level if their belief system is intact. But they got to believe. I was one way in life and I was there forever because of my specific belief system. But when I changed my brain, I changed my life. It all starts with your brain. What you think is what you say. What you say is what you do. What you do on a regular basis becomes a habit. Your habits create your character, and your character determines your destiny. But it all starts right here inside your brain. I'm going to give it to him again. Can I do it again? What you think is what you say. What you say is what you do. What you do on a regular basis becomes a habit. Be cautious. Okay, so you baby forever nasty. That might be the name of the podcast, baby forever nasty. So baby forever nasty, and you're dancing, and then what? So once I was in the dance group, my dad got out of prison. He was in prison for 12 years. Really? Yeah, he got out of prison. And when he came around, he used to see me in the dance. He used to, he didn't like it. He just felt like, you know, certain people, street dudes ain't really like the, the dancers. And then the dancers weren't really rocking with the street dudes. So it was like either, so my dad, he's a straight hardcore street dudes like man right here dance man that's for gay guys that's for punks right like used to talk crap to me like really? yeah so it's like if you're gonna do that get in the group with your brothers so that's what made them put me on the stage with them so I was the dude that was just on stage dancing they rap I'd be over there dancing doing my thing and one day the producer named Jim Johnson he did all the biggest records right now. He's like all the number one records by the biggest names in the industry. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, why you don't put, why you get Speck, put Speck on the songs? I mean, Speck can't rap. You know, I can't. I don't want to rap. <laughs> you know? So it's like, man, all right, put them on the song. They put me on the song. And it was history. I did my one little verse once. Yeah, ain't never heard no girl scream that loud before. They was like, you yeah. know what? Put them on all the songs. What song was that where, like, people really started feeling it? It was a song called Chain Chain. It's throwback, bro. I see these names, Ching Chang, Forever Nasty. Yeah. They got baby Forever Nasty. Yeah, yeah, it was back then, Ching man. Chang. Was, yeah, Do you remember Ching your bars? Chang. Nice. Nah, no, stop. So so you would get you you would rap and then like the girls go crazy. They would go crazy. And I was always like in the I used to be in weight training back then. So when I was in all my high school, I was in weight training. So by the time I took my shirt off, oh, yeah, they yeah. damn fell out on the damn crowd. Cause like I was I was built for my age. Mm-hmm. So the average 18-year-old wasn't really built. 17-year-old wasn't really built like I was because right. I was just in the gym every day heavy, mm. weight training. So, okay. so that helped out. So now I'm in the group Pretty Ricky. So now, Pretty Ricky, how'd y'all come up with the name? Do you remember? So our name was Pretty Ricky and the Mavericks. Who and was, Who was Ricky? Nobody was, nobody was Ricky. <laughs> I'm thinking somebody was like Ricky, but... Nobody was Ricky, bro. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> nah, honestly, so my older brother was in the group, and in one of his songs that went viral before we was, like, actually, like, we was on the bench, right? Mm-hmm. 
And then my 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 big brother, he was the main person. He was like the Nelly, basically. Right, right. And he was taken off in Miami. His name was Papa Smurf, right? And in the song, one of the songs, he was like, the ladies called him Pretty Ricky Ricky. Like, girl, that's thicky, thicky, thicky. So, right, like, right. that was one of his little lines. And everybody was like, you the, you the Pretty Ricky Ricky. Like, like, everybody used to come up to him oh. and say that to him. And me, Slick, and um, Baby Blue was the Mavericks. We was the Mavericks. So they put him together with us so he can give us some steam right. and make us grow faster. Mm-hmm. So he was popping. We was the Mavericks. We was on the bench, but we was the heartthrobs. But we was just waiting for our time. Right. We came together as Pretty Ricky and the Mavericks. And then as we was as we performed and after the show, girls were like, Pretty Ricky and the Mavericks, who Pretty Ricky? And they always point at me. It's like, he pretty Ricky? And then to the point where it's just like, to the point they kept saying I was pretty Ricky, they just named me the pretty Ricky. Yeah, you couldn't be a Maverick. Yeah, I couldn't be a Maverick. It's like, (laughs) I was the pretty Ricky guy now. So now they start calling me pretty Ricky. So my brother ain't like that, of course, because now Mm, that, you know. and, And then, and then like everybody, all the record labels and everybody was like, well, he doesn't fit us because he's a he's my older brother. Mm-hmm. And we was all young, the same age. So they made him back a solo artist and then made us a group. Mm. And then we was Pretty Ricky and the Mavericks. And then when we, and I was Pretty Ricky, right. my brothers was the Mavericks, Pleasure joined the group, and now we have a singer and three rappers, Pretty Ricky and the Mavericks. And then we got signed to Atlanta Records after we created Grind On Me. Mm-hmm. was the first song we ever did with Pleasure. Crazy. Out the box. Yo, let me ask you real quick before you go into that. Did your brother feel a way when he almost got kicked out of the group he came to help. Technically. Did he get mad or was he like, all right, great, because I didn't want to be around all these people. Did he be pretty Ricky anyway? <laughs> I just think it was kind of uncomfortable based on the audience. Because imagine you performing in front of a crowd and then when you come up, you don't really get no screams like that. Right. And then we come up, it's, ah! Because it's just two different demographics. So I don't know if he felt uncomfortable or not, I'm pretty sure he probably did based on, like, the reactions. You ever told him about it? Nah, I never really talked to him about it. Mm. Never really talked to him about it. still doing music? Nah, he ain't doing music. Nah. What's he doing? Do you know? I mean... My brother passed. Really? Yeah. Oh, He, He passed from a brain aneurysm. Oh, my gosh. How long ago? When he was 34, and that was like three, four years ago. Oh, man. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Got one of them early. It is what it is. Yeah, golly. He ain't got no flaws. We don't know what he do wrong. At least y'all know I smoke weed. I cuss. 
I call a woman a bitch. Oh, <laughs> uh, so my flaws is shown, right? Uh, Obama, man, this man didn't have no flaws. No, nah, homie, them ain't our men. We need to see men with flaws. On, on, hey, on. I don't follow no man, homie. I ain't have no daddy. So what the fuck I'm going to follow Farrakhan for? He followed Elijah Muhammad. Elijah Muhammad followed Farad Muhammad. All these niggas following, man. Fuck them niggas, homie. I need to see something else other than a nigga talking, telling me about a book he done read. Nigga, why we can't see his spirit like we seen grandmama and them spirit in that kitchen making that food, nigga? We saw them women's spirit, nigga, when we were sick and they took us to the doctor. So how I'm going to reject, nigga, what she gave me, the love I got from this woman who told me about the God she served. Ain't now, nigga, gave, Farrakhan ain't gave us that love. He ain't gave, he ain't fed the village like Muddy and Mama and them feed these fed people. All the niggas that got to know Farrakhan got to go to jail to know him, homie. We don't know him from the world. You was blessed to know him through your grandmother. But sure. because of who your grandmother was, you got the favor from him. Nigga, if your grandmother's, you see what I'm saying? Your grandmother. Yeah. So, uh, it's not to... Money to make money. Niggas got to know that, you know what I'm saying? I feel like a lot of people, you know go through what they go through because most of the times in their head and their mind, they have limits. I feel like if you re remove the limits that's in your mind, like for instance, if you say, okay, cool, this this month I'm finna make, this is like me if I say, this month I'm finna make 50,000, then you probably make a little less than that. But if you, if you remove it, you know what I'm saying? If you remove the limit, just, man, I'm finna make, or dream big, like make it crazy. Don't just have a low limit to your life with anything that you do. Like always think big, dream big, you know what I'm saying? Like stuff like that. Cause if you put a limit on anything, you're gonna have the limit or lower, you feel me? So cut the limits out or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And always think big, dream big, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna say, no matter how successful I get, I'm going to always be a student to, I'm going to always be a student to learning success. You know what I'm saying? No matter how big I get, I'm going to always be a student to learning success because it's always going to be something that you don't know about that somebody in a better position can teach you. Some people be so like negative to certain situations that they block it out. But me, personally, if you want to get successful, you always have to be a student to doors of opportunity that you never open. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to ask yourself. And he said in that Quran, what the fuck would you do if we took it away? What would you do if we took away the water? We can cause the earth to swallow you up. Wait till you get to your grave, motherfucker. Okay, niggas can talk all that shit about me, whites, whoever the fuck. Nigga, Frisco Dom is a dumb motherfucker. I may be a dumb motherfucker, okay, but I believe in God and I 
feel what is in the grave that is awaiting my bitch ass, nigga. Okay? I'm not gonna play with no shit like that, nigga, or talk about some shit, nigga, that created this entire world and this goddamn universe, motherfucker. So you got some motherfucking balls on you, nigga, to try to talk shit, nigga, to a god that you don't even know if he's sitting there listening to your bitch ass, nigga. So keep on talking shit, nigga. Keep on talking shit, nigga. Okay? But you got to go to that grave. You got to go to that grave. Every motherfucker watching this video got to go to that grave. And you're going to have to face whatever the fuck is waiting for your bitch ass. Okay? And I see a God saying, nigga, all your motherfucking life, you ignored me, motherfucker. You ignored me all your life. Now it is time for me to ignore your bitch ass, nigga. Now. Now. Send your bitch ass to hell, nigga. Ain't no motherfucking hell. I don't believe in it. You'll believe in it when you see it, bitch. You take that, put it in your motherfucking pipe, and smoke it with your bitch ass. Now what? Because your habits create your character, and your character determines your destiny. As we learn from our mutual mentor, you know what I'm saying? Like, success will take you there, but your character, your gifts and talents will take you there, but your character will keep you there. But it all starts right here inside the mind, so we got to have a strong belief system. Because I remember when we used to school, you would see the little posters that say, if you believe it, you can achieve it. Mm. Bro, that's facts. That was a bar. We thought it was corny. We thought it was cliche, but that's real. That's real. So when I began to believe I could do these type of numbers, when I began to believe I could travel the world, bro, my wife looking for homes down in South Africa. I was like, boo, come on, boo. She's like, oh, you don't believe? I was like, I had to check myself like, bro, don't be a hypocrite. Like, do you believe? People got to believe. Mm -hmm. And so to everybody that's watched us, everybody that's listening right now, like, I need to believe in that power, that purpose, that potential, that society. You God has an amazing plan for your life if you believe. What do I look like trying to, trying to determine where my life going to go? I ain't that smart. I ain't that talented. People talk about a five to 10 year plan. That makes sense. And it sounds good. But for me, I'm not even smart enough to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. Right? That's why I wake up at 5 a.m. and I seek the face of God. Like, what you want me to do? What you think is the best play? And then I run that play. Like, that's how people can go to the next level. So it starts with a belief system. And then you got to put that work in every single day. Because my brother Brian, not here no more. And if he was here, he'd be putting that work in. So I felt what I look like feeling tired, what I look like feeling lazy, what I look like talking about what's not comfortable to me. Comfort don't pay bills. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we got to be willing to put that work in every single day. So let's go get in. Let's be great. Listen, can't close out no better than that, yeah. man. Do me a favor. Make sure you follow Jeremy Anderson. Okay. Shoot him a Why you tell us before we pay rent on the first? If you're not paying rent next month, we're going to use that as our security deposit. To find something else. Yeah, but did and you I'm tell trying him, to make it. Did you Go tell ahead. him, listen, you're not moving right away. It takes time to That's sell what a I'm house. Saying. Yeah, no. I didn't I didn't but now they don't want to pay rent and they want to use that security deposit for next month. So how do you deal with selling a property with a tenants in it? Like I ever done it, they don't want you to sell it. <sighs> it sounds like they can't buy the place. You know, Definitely so, can't you know, I'm going to tell you, you know, you, you know, what you want to do is just listen, you know, communication is, is really, you know, if you can go there and communicate with them and say, listen, you know, 
The point is this. I can't sell nothing overnight. I'm going to have to give you at least 30 days notice before you have to leave, okay? When I give you the 30 days notice, then you can worry about leaving. Right now, you ain't got to move, so pay your rent and don't worry about it. And we might not even be able to sell, tell them. You know, we just we want to see right. because, you know, my family needs the money or, you know, and... You know, and um, the times are rough. What are we going to do? You got to go try to communicate with people, explain to them. And then tell them, listen, if you need help paying your rent, you know, there's agencies out there to help them too. You know, with moving, you know, whatever, you know. Right. You, you better go try to, you know, try to make up talk with them. You better go talk to them. You're a smart guy. You know how to talk to people. And go talk to yeah. them and tell them, uh, and tell them, you know, listen, this is the situation. I'm not selling tomorrow. I I'm going to give you 30 days notice before you got to move. As soon as I know for sure that I'm selling it, like when you get a guy that goes hard on a contract, that's when you have to give notice. And make sure when you right. sell it, you tell them, listen, I can't sell until 30 days and, you know, give notice to tenants 30 days. But go over there and make a deal with them and kiss up and make up and okay. tell them, listen, you got to pay your rent. You know, pay your rent. Okay. I'm not selling right now. No, nothing's selling in this market. You tell them whatever the hell you got to tell them. Get that goddamn rent money. All right. All right. I was going to tell them I plan on giving you a $500. If I do sell it, I don't. There you go. Like tell them that. But tell them, tell them you're going to give them time okay. to move. You're going to have time to move. I'm going to give you 500 okay. bucks. Everything's going to be fine. Just please work with me here. Pay the rent. Let's, you know, and just, you know, that's it. All right? Right. All right. Good luck Got to it. you. I'll be seeing you soon. I'm going to contact you when I'm coming out that way. I'll let you All buy right, me man, lunch. All right. Take care, George. All right. Bye. All right. So what else we got? Are we done for the night? Yeah, we have, uh, we're over, over an hour, right? Oh, over an hour, that's enough. I'm tired. I got to figure out what the hell I'm going to do tomorrow to straighten my life out. I appreciate all everybody that's been sending me information on how to invest money. I don't know, that goddamn, uh, what's it called, crypto scares me. Because I don't know where the hell money's going. What does it mean, crypto and Bitcoin and, you know, the money's just floating around or what? I don't know. We just but, gotta say thank you to some super chats. Some people just threw. Uh, oh, throw chat. in a super chat. Let's super chat. Hey, let's have a chat. A super chat. Piranha Canals, thanks for the ten dollars. What do you think about mobile homes on permanent foundation and land? Thanks for having part of your life on camera. Mobile homes on permanent foundations. Yep. That's a high class mobile home, baby. Uh, I mean, you know, it depends. Is it a park? Is it sitting on land by itself? I mean, you know, everything has a value. You know, I mean, if you can rent it or if you can sell it and somebody wants to live there. You know, I've dealt with, you know, I haven't dealt with a lot with mobile homes, but manufactured housing is housing. You know, if it serves a purpose to house somebody and you collect rent, then, or if somebody wants to buy it to live in, then it's got a value and you rent it out. I mean, you should be trying to rent it out cheaper because manufactured housing is a lot less value, you know, considerably than the um, 
stick build housing. So, you know, it's fine. I, I mean, I used to, you know what I made a lot of money on? The manufactured housing, they used to bring them in by trucks. But they bring in 140 of them and, you know, and they all set up like fourplexes. It's called cardinal housing. I owned a lot of cardinal housing that was built back in the 80s. And it was fine. I bought it. I fixed it. I rented it. I sold it. I mean, anything is, has a value if it's livable and there's somebody that wants to live in it and pay for it. So, yeah, do it. Do anything you can to make money. I don't care if it's a mobile home park or whatever it is. As long as it's legal and, and somebody it's decent enough for somebody to live in and you can make money on it, do it. What else you got? Shaw Merritt. Thanks for the four ninety nine, Ben. You should buy the land next to Madeira Beach Marina and build a nice condo or hotel. Madeira Beach Marina. I think all that property was already bought up, and a big hotel just went up. If that's what you're talking about, I don't know. I'll look into it. Madeira Beach Marina. But I think it's already been done, and there's big development plans going on right now. But I did bid on all that land, but then I got outbid. I'm not a developer. I ain't putting out no big money on development. What else you got? William Burkhead, thanks for the $5. Ben, did you ever take downtime once you made a few million? <coughs> How do you avoid burnout? When is the next seminar? Thank you. I mean, you know, I, I definitely you got to take downtime once you make your money. And, you know, you got to enjoy life. I've done plenty of vacations, traveling, you know, not as much as I want to. But let me tell you. I'm going to be free from this prison in four more years, baby. Maybe three if you graduate a year early. If you really cared about me and you really wanted me to enjoy my life and start my retirement and be free, he'll do it in about three years. Okay? We'll see. I'm happy to do it. Good. Let's happy. see you do it. So, anyway, um, what else you got? Jake. Why? Thanks for the four ninety nine, Ben. I'm closing on my first deal in two weeks. Thanks to you and your family. Thanks, motherfucker.